0: Are you tired of scrolling your feed only to see the highlight reel version of motherhood? If so, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Motherhood Intended Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Baird, and I'm a passionate mom here to support women like you in their unique journeys to and through motherhood. I have been through it all. We're going to be talking about things like trying to conceive, infertility, IVF, surrogacy, mom life, and more. Time to get real about what it takes to be a mom and come together in the fact that things don't always go as planned. So, here we go. Hi, it's Jacqueline. Welcome to the Motherhood Intended podcast. I hope everyone had a great weekend. We didn't really have any crazy plans, which was nice. We were able to get some things done around the house, relax. We've been working on setting up our basement differently. So, it's an unfinished basement. In the last year, we've put you know, some of the kids toys down there, little couch TV, Boys have a trampoline down there. Um, but they're very into obstacle courses these days. And especially my oldest, he's super into the floor is lava. So they're always wanting space to climb and jump, play this floor is lava game. And I'm realizing that their playroom upstairs is just increasingly getting smaller. You know, it's great for when they're just like playing with their action figures or cars or playing a game, looking at books, but like they're boys, they're three and almost five and they need space to move. (laughs) And honestly, this weather hasn't been helping. I mean, true as a Chicagoan, never happy about the weather. It's either like too hot, too cold, too snowy, all the things never satisfied. And I never thought I'd say this, but I wish it would snow. <laughs> this winter so far has been so weird. We have not gotten enough snow in the Chicagoland area, like enough to play in or anything. We got a couple dustings, and then it was gone. But it was nice when it was a little bit warmer and the sun was out. That was a nice December, but it's just been rainy or cold, and the boys have not gotten outside. So I'm trying to find different ways to keep them active and burn some energy. So yeah, over the weekend, we've got some gym flooring mats and we're just setting everything up so they have full run of the basement to be active and do their obstacle courses and play. So yeah, it was nice to have that time to do it over the weekend. Before I get into what I wanted to talk about today, I absolutely had to thank so many of you who shared our surrogacy profile. Like I mentioned last week, you know we are open to doing an independent journey. We are working closely with an agency and waiting for them to find us a match. But in the meantime, we thought we'd put feelers out there to see if there's somebody local who might be a good for carrying one of our embryos. So thank you, thank you, thank you to all of the listeners and social media followers who shared our profile and just kind of put the feelers out there to see if anyone would be interested. We actually have a few people we're going to be following up with and you know you never know maybe it'll be a good match maybe it won't but i just appreciate everybody in our corner helping us to grow our family that being said i wanted to give a little further information as to like why we decided to be a little more open to an independent journey so for those who don't know when you're working with an agency to pursue surrogacy you are paying more money you're paying an agency fee and rightfully so you are getting a team of experts who are helping you every step of the way. They're helping you with the legal part, medical screening, and just kind of managing the whole business side of surrogacy for you, and especially finding you a match. And whether you're doing it on your own or working with an agency, all of this does take time. It takes time to find the right person. It takes time to have contracts drawn up, your surrogate cleared medically by your fertility doctor, and just Prepping for the cycle and everything. So, from start to finish, it's a really long process. You know, the more we've learned about the process and what it takes and what it entails, we've become more confident in our resources and possibly being able to do this on our own if the right person came around. So, we work closely with our fertility clinic, who has given us referrals to reproductive lawyers and financial advisors and just kind of everyone who could really help in this process. So it's appealing to us for a couple reasons. One, if we put the feelers out there for somebody locally, we will be physically closer to our surrogate, which is helpful, you know, in wanting to be involved in the pregnancy, going to doctor's appointments, eliminates flights and travel times and not to mention getting there for the birth and just otherwise we might have to be zoomed in on different appointments and everything. And of course, arrange travel and possibly staying in whatever state, you know, our surrogate ends up being in prior to delivery just to make sure we're there. And it just, it all gets a little more complicated, especially with, you know, we, we have two little ones at home. So we are absolutely 100,000% willing to do that and we are prepared for that. But in the meantime, we figured maybe there's somebody local that would be a good match for us. So that's kind of the biggest reason why we wanted to put the feelers out there of possibly doing this. Journey independently. And then, in addition to that, just cutting down costs. When you're working with an agency, you're paying a hefty agency fee. You're also paying whatever their standard is for compensation for their surrogates. Those who go the independent route and become a surrogate for someone on their own, you know, there's a lot more flexibility in the compensation you can ask for and the compensation you can offer. The agencies have their own standards for what that looks like based on where you live, what your own personal financial situation looks like as a surrogate. And then also if you are a first-time surrogate versus an experienced surrogate. So when you go the independent route, you have a lot more flexibility in compensation on both ends. So saving money by eliminating agency costs and then Hoping to find somebody nearby are the two reasons why we've decided to open up to an independent journey if the right person comes along. But of course, we are still waiting for a match from our agency. And, you know, they're really great and what everything they do, they're very highly recommended, very experienced in this. So we're just going to see how life plays out, which I'm going to give myself a high five for being that way because that is just, I've come a long way over the years. That is just not usually how I work. I am typically, I have to know the outcome, I have to have a plan. I'm, I wasn't always good at veering from the plan or adapting or changing or being flexible. And you know what? Being a parent and going through all of the struggles that we have to become parents has definitely changed me in that regard. For those moms listening, you definitely know that like plans are cute, but be prepared to pivot. I mean, especially with little ones, like you could have your whole day set up. And then someone has a meltdown or something breaks or someone gets a fever and plans change and you just have to learn to roll with it. So this has been very helpful, especially going um, on this new path of trying to grow our family. We're learning a lot on the way and it's helpful to just be flexible and open to different ideas and scenarios. So all that to say. Thank you for so many of you who shared our profile and put the word out there. We really, really appreciate it. Today, I really wanted to talk about the topic of feeling overstimulated as a mom. As a mom of two boys with vibrant personalities (laughs) that I am so grateful for and being a stay-at-home mom, I should say. I don't leave the house to go to work. Of course, I podcast, but it's at random hours whenever I can fit it in throughout the day. And that's not out of the house in a quiet drive to work or in a quiet office on my own. You know, I am meshing my work into motherhood and I'm grateful to be able to do that. But it can be overwhelming at times. Um so I'm sure there are people who can relate to this. You might not even realize you're feeling overstimulated until you snap at your kid or you're just feeling super anxious or out of control in the situation. And there are just so many factors that can have you overstimulated as a mom, especially a stay-at-home mom. When your toddler is screaming and then the TV's blaring, you're thinking about, you have so many things to do. Your partner wants to be intimate, but you need sleep. It's too hot. You feel sticky. It's too cold. Like we're stuck inside, especially with this weather lately. Being overstimulated is like on high alert. I mean, getting out of the house and getting some fresh air has constantly been a saving grace for me as a mom. You know, I learned that during the pandemic. Getting outside was the best. You know, When we were stuck at home, we spent so much time outside, especially the summer of 2020 in our backyard and playing with the kids. And it was just so... Nice. So I have kept that going into my parenting and made it a point to get outside as much as possible. But you know, the winters in the Midwest get hard. And like I mentioned, without any snow, my kids are like, there's nothing to do outside but like freeze and ride your bike or take a walk. Or I try to get creative, but truthfully, like I can't blame them. The weather's crappy and lately it's just been raining all the time. So yeah. Oversimulation in the household, and I'm sure my kids are feeling it too, is is a lot. You could feel like you're needing to help your kids with schoolwork or a project or just like keeping them occupied, but also trying to get your own work done. You could be feeling anxious and like you're carrying the whole mental load of the family. Your kids, they keep asking questions. Something smells dirty, diapers, dishes, trash. There are so many sensory things that can have us overstimulated as a mom. So if you're relating to this When maybe you haven't pinpointed it yet, you just know that on certain days or certain points of the day, things just become overwhelming as a mom. My challenge for you is to take notice when you feel this way. Take notice when things just become overwhelming and try and figure out what it is that's bothering you. Maybe it is the noise. For me, my anxiety is often triggered by an overstimulation of noise. It could be like the TV on, Both of my kids talking at the same time, one singing a song, one asking me questions, the dog barking, my husband walking around the house, taking a sales call, like overstimulation to the max. And I'm aware of this now. I was trying to figure it out. And it wasn't until my kids started preschool or I've had help from babysitters and I'm able to be in my office for a little bit in the quiet. And I'm like, oh, like in what world could my brain even function properly when I am so completely overstimulated by sound. So my challenge for you is to take notice as you're going through your day. And if there's a point where you're feeling stressed, try and realize, is it sound? Is it smells? Do you just have clutter everywhere? Try to figure out what it is exactly that's bothering you. It's important to identify your triggers when it comes to sensory overload. There could be certain sounds, sights, smells, or textures, like I mentioned. All of these things can trigger a sensory overload. But for certain people, certain senses get triggered easier than others. So knowing what your triggers are can help you avoid sensory overload, and it'll help recognize early warning signs of being overwhelmed. Like I said, my biggest trigger is sounds, so an overload of noise. So once you kind of identified like what it is that puts you over the edge and makes you feel just totally overstimulated in your house, it's important to pinpoint things that will help you kind of navigate this. So like I mentioned before, getting outside is really big for me. Research shows that being in nature decreases our stress. It makes us happier, relieves attention fatigue, and so much more. So you can take a stroll outside and really tune into your senses in a calm, controlled way. Nature walks are also a fantastic activity to do with your little ones. Together you can point out things that you see and hear and smell and it's just a way to slow down in the day, get some fresh air, um quiet everyone down. I know like when we get outside everything just feels quieter. You know, there's just more space, the open air. The kids enjoy it, so I think by default they're just like talking less. <laughs> they're just <laughs> really enjoying the outdoors. So getting outside is a really good way to combat those overstimulations of all the senses. Another awesome thing to do is to make sure that you have good routine for your day, right? Create a routine. Because if you have an ever-changing routine, it doesn't really allow for the necessary time and planning it takes to effectively manage a high sensory moment. So if you create a more predictable day-to-day, you'll give yourself the opportunity to prepare for any overwhelming scenarios that arise. I know the days that I just don't have a plan are usually the days when I do feel almost overwhelmed. It feels like you're not in control and it's the littlest things that can kind of like set you off into this anxiety-ridden moment. I like to schedule in time for outside, like I mentioned, schedule quiet time for my kids. Schedule an activity that we do together. Schedule a time that we get out of the house. And every day I structure it a little bit different based on what we have going on. Like our Mondays and Wednesdays are pretty similar. Tuesdays and Thursdays are pretty similar. Fridays is flexible, but we still have certain activities that we do at certain times. So create a routine for yourself. And just as a heads up, it will change. Like I have changed our routine multiple times. Over the last five years, it's all based on your child's age, when they nap, what kind of activities they're in. Are they in school? Are they not in school? What do you have going on in your life? I've done everything from been stay-at-home mom 100%, working full-time, I've worked part-time, I've worked out of the house, in the house. It's ever-changing. But if you have a routine for the season you're in and stick to that, that will really help combat these oversensory moments. Another important tip would be schedule alone time. Talk to your husband, talk to your partner. you know have an open conversation about how you're feeling. and then schedule time to be totally by yourself. like even if it's just in another room. Um, making time for yourself and being alone and making it a non negotiable on your schedule will give you something to look forward to especially if the day is difficult, right? Like if the morning is just all out of whack, kids are having a meltdown, whatever, like you know that at two o'clock you've booked in your schedule that you're going to have some alone time. So you have something to look forward to. It gives you time to regroup. I used to feel guilty about doing this. I'm like, the kids need me. My husband's working really hard. I need to do this. But if you have any sort of help at any point throughout the day, or even if you can be in another room from your child, if they're old enough, set them up with a quiet activity. It will make so much of a difference just to know that every single day, you're going to have time in your day to just be by yourself. My last tip to help with coping with sensory overload is to wake up before your family. If you're able to set the tone for your day, let's be real, the mom sets the tone for the family, right? Like if mom's in a bad mood, things kinda get out of whack. If mom's in a good mood and feeling confident and put together, everything stays in line for the most part, right? So waking up before your family allows you to set the tone for the day. Now I know it can be tough if you have a little one that isn't sleeping through the night yet, But if you can swing it, taking your alone time in the morning could definitely help you start your day with confidence and feeling like you're in control. Imagine you're sitting alone with a still hot cup of coffee in the quiet peacefulness of the morning. Let me tell you guys firsthand, it is glorious. Now, if I'm being honest, it doesn't happen every day. This is a work in progress for me. This has been a new thing for me that in the last. I don't know, maybe four months I've been trying and it happens every week, every week. It's not every day, but definitely, I don't know, maybe four days out of the week. I can usually get up now before the kids. Um, Now I will say that this definitely changes seasonally based on what's going on with the kids in our life. When we transitioned my youngest to a big boy bed, that kind of put a damper in things. It wasn't as reliable that I knew he was going to wake up at 7.30 and I'd get him out of his crib at 7.30. Nope. It was like, you know, he's testing boundaries. He's just coming out of his room and he's waking up earlier and earlier. So that took a couple weeks of adjusting to get back on a better routine. But at this point, my kids are pretty predictable. Like I said, we have a pretty set schedule. They go to bed around the same time every night. It's usually between 7.30 and 8. And they wake up. They're supposed to stay in the room <laughs> until 7.30 when their clock turns green if they wake up, they can be up. You know, They have toys and books in their room, but they're supposed to stay in their room until 7.30. And it's not because I'm not awake. It's because then I know when I'm like, okay, mom mode, let's start the day, right? So my goal is always to be up before them. Sometimes if I'm feeling like a real go-getter, I'll wake up at five. My husband's really good at waking up early. He's definitely more consistent with that than I am. He is always up before the kids, but I've been getting better. So sometimes it's up at five. Sometimes... Six, 630. Even if I wake up at seven, which is say a half hour before I know the kids are going to be awake, the point is, is like, even if you can get up 20 minutes before your kids wake up, you can get that cup of coffee or you can get dressed, like, just do something without having to open your eyes and be in full mom mode. Because I know for myself, like, that can feel deflating. You woke up and you're like, wow, I have 12 hours before I can just be by myself, right? Or I have 12 hours of people needing me for all different things, right? It can be draining. So setting all these different boundaries can be really helpful and just controlling the overwhelm, especially when it comes to your senses, right? It's always those little things that can push you over to the edge. So if you take steps like this to prevent that and take control of your day, I promise you it'll help. So bonus tip, get rid of the clutter in your house. I'm telling you, it's life-changing. <laughs> so I read some statistic from the Journal of Environmental Psychology that found that clutter has a negative impact on overall well-being. It also increases stress, decreases productivity, and leads to unhealthy habits. With so many of us spending more time at home, whether you're a working parent or a stay-at-home parent, you know, a lot of us are Working remotely or at home often. And so the environment around you has a really big impact on your overall well being. And I've been diving into this last few months to help create a home that isn't stressing me out. Because I don't know about you, but I often feel like I'm living for my house, meaning like I spend half my day picking stuff up or cleaning this or cleaning that. And the truth of it is, I just have too much stuff. Like there's so much stuff. This was back in the fall, but I came across ali cassaza she has her own podcast and she is the author of declutter like a mother she's always running these challenges and workshops and if you haven't checked her out yet this isn't an official ad or anything i'm just a big fan Check her out, Ali Casaza. Her book is called "Declutter Like a Mother." And man, does she help you find peace (laughs) in your home so you can focus your energy on the things you really want to be doing, whether that's your work, spending time with your kids, forget the dishes, sit down and play a game with your kids. Right? It's not all about living minimally like a minimalist because you know there's so many books and influencers out there who are promoting minimalism. This is more just like getting rid of the clutter but still keeping things that make you happy. So if you have a shelf that has 20 trinkets on it, but they're all memories of things that, I don't know, places you went or something. Sure, it may look like clutter. It's not minimal, but that brings you joy. So like, leave it there, you know? Anyway, I found this very interesting and has made such a world of difference in the last handful of months for me. I've been trying to do a lot of things at once, especially since getting this podcast going and launching. You know, I started this back in September with building this out for the launch in January and I've been wearing a lot of hats, even more so. I mean, all moms wear a lot of hats, but I mean, I have been juggling all the things and there's always something that falls. And I would get so frustrated having to spend time on things that i just didn't care about that i felt were just like a time suck or organizing a drawer or, or something like that because it was overflowing and that's just silly like do less have less in there and you won't have that much to deal with right so just check out declutter like a mother it's a great book and her podcast is awesome too it's called the purpose show with ellie cassaza and i'll go ahead and link it in the show notes so you can easily find it so just a quick recap five different ways that moms can cope with sensory overload. And truthfully, this doesn't just apply for moms. One can feel overloaded in one way or another. Everyone feels overwhelmed. This is just more specific to motherhood based off of having children all like around you all the time and needing you and touching you and holding on to you and just, you know, all those kinds of senses specifically are related to being a mom. But in general, everyone can take these tips and apply them to their life in order to feel less stressed and less overwhelmed. So like I said, the first thing to do is like definitely identify your triggers. It could be sounds, sights, smells, touch, textures. I know so many moms go through this where they have sensory overload of touch, especially with newborns. You could be breastfeeding. You could have another toddler that's hanging on you. And then you feel bad because you're like blowing up at your husband for trying to give you a hug. And you're like, I just don't want to be touched right now. Right? So everyone has their own trigger. Some people are more sensitive to some things than other like I mentioned for me it's sound. So creating a routine that will help. Create something that's predictable so you can effectively manage a high sensory moment. If you're just going all willy-nilly through your day and something pops up and it's just a lot and it's not what's planned, it's going to be harder to handle that and you're going to feel overwhelmed. Schedule alone time. Like I said, even if it's just in another room, schedule some time in your day. Like actually put it on your calendar like it's a meeting because that's the only way that you're going to make sure you do it. And you're going to want it something to look forward to, especially on those hard days. It's a great way to recharge. And honestly, it will help you be the best mom version of yourself. Get outside. We talked about that. That's a big one. Facts that getting out in nature will decrease your stress, make you happier. Relieve fatigue, all the things. And if you can get up before your kids, maybe take a walk outside. I was doing that for a while in the warmer months. That's so nice to start your day listening to a podcast, perhaps. That's what I would do in the summer. I would wake up before the kids and take a walk around the neighborhood. And it was just a really nice way to start the day. But also you can get outside with your kids. Taking a walk with your kids is a good way to calm them too. Really tune into your senses in a calm, controlled way talk about what you see, talk about what you hear. It's a great teaching moment for your kids and hopefully it will be like a little more relaxing than being bombarded with all the things in your house. And lastly, if you can swing it, definitely recommend waking up before your family. Like I said, this can change with whatever season you're in in motherhood, but it'll definitely help you start your day with confidence, allow you to set the tone for the day, feel in control. And let's be real, you'll get to drink your coffee while it's hot. (laughs) You won't have to reheat it like five times. So if you have any questions, I would love for you to reach out to me. I'm not like an expert, but I have done all of these things. I have definitely felt overwhelmed and experienced sensory overload in motherhood. So I'm here to help you. We can compare notes this would actually be a great topic for our community group. So if you're not in it already, make sure to go to Facebook and type in motherhood intended community. I'll also link it in the show notes, but it's a great space we have over 350 women in this group just a great place to share stories support each other in motherhood all different kinds of people with all different kinds of backgrounds in there some people who are trying to be moms some people who are ready moms we have pregnant moms we have older moms younger moms it is really nice to have such a diverse perspective of motherhood so it's a great place to chat about different things that we're all going through and kind of come together and know that you're not alone in all these experiences you're not weird you're not weak Um, you know as a mom you deserve to feel peace and be happy in your day no matter how many people need you and how many things are on your to-do list so click the link in the show notes and join the motherhood intended community if you found value in this episode uh, maybe you learned something new please share the link to the podcast share the episode Tag me on Instagram at motherhood underscore intended. I love to see who's listening and your feedback has been awesome. Um, The more people we can reach, the more women we can support. So I really appreciate you sharing this show. And if you have any feedback for the podcast, I would love if you could write a review. On Spotify, you just send send in a rating and on Apple, you can actually write a review along with your rating. So I would so appreciate it to give the show a little more visibility. I wanted to let you in on another fun update with the podcast. Um, we have some bonus episodes in the works. Make sure you follow the podcast on your favorite podcast app, um, whether that's Apple, Spotify, or any other app you use. Subscribe to the show so you can stay in the loop. Um, Those will be popping up soon and you won't want to miss it. Spoiler alert, my husband will be making an appearance on the podcast with me and we've got some lighthearted, fun episodes in store for you um, just to get to know us a little bit more and to get the man's perspective on some of these topics. Thank you again for listening to the podcast. Be sure to tune in on Thursday. I will be talking with Elena who will be sharing her story of her son, Leo, who was stillborn. She shares her experience and how she's used that to help others in honor of her son's life. We'll talk to you then.